Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm the founder of Alzheimer's Speaks uh, resource website, which offers multiple platforms um, and provides uh, different types of tools to shift our dementia care culture from crisis to comfort. And we're basically an advocacy-based company that just really believes together we can make a huge, huge difference. Um, you know, by having these everyday conversations that we're having on Alzheimer Speaks Radio or on our blog or on Dementia Chats, um, the power of them has been kind of overwhelming um, while I've been doing this. The, the changes that I've seen in people with dementia, the families that are affected, as well as the professionals and, and advocates and people just wanting to learn more. The simplicity in which we have these conversations I think is, is critical and and so helpful and today we're going to really we're really going to hear a cool conversation in in both the first half where we're going to be talking about dementia mentors as well as our second half when we're going to be talking about food and nutrition and aging and um and disease. So I hope you're able to stay with us. You know, at our core, again, we really believe here at Alzheimer's Speaks that collaboratively we can win this battle against dementia. And that might not mean today a cure, um, but it means coming up with support systems that will will help everybody live better with more dignity, more respectfully, more calmly uh, with this disease. And I know we're making a difference because Cher Karen Dr. Oz named Alzheimer's Speaks as the number one influencer online for Alzheimer's. And I have to tell you, that would in no way have happened without all of you. So I really appreciate your support, your likes. If you haven't done so, please go to our page and um, and like us um, on Facebook, on Twitter, um, with our our homepage on the radio show or the website, share. Those little links are important because you have people in your sphere that you don't even know are touched by dementia and they're dealing with it and they're struggling with it. Um, but because of the stigmas, people aren't talking about it and we have to make it more comfortable. And that's one of the cool things that we're really going to be talking about today is how to become more dementia friendly how do we take that fear out and dementia mentors is is a one of a kind um superb website that's going to going to bring us i think leaps and bounds in the future ahead in terms of helping us remove those those myths and those stigmas so um again please uh please share 
uh, with with your friends, your circles. Um, this is it. This is important stuff. Now, before I actually introduce uh, the founding members of this group, I do want to just give a shout out to some of my favorite um, groups and associations and, and people working in the industry. Um, the Purple Angel Project, if you are not aware of it, I highly recommend that you check it out. It's a way that you as an individual or an organization can help raise awareness and um, help remove the stigmas, help get the conversation started. And you can find out more by um, going to Alzheimer's Speaks on our About page. We have something with the Purple Angel on it um, that will give you great detail. Alzheimer's Disease International will allow you to find an Alzheimer's Association anywhere in the world. So check out ADI. If you're interested in a study, uh, the Alzheimer's Studies Group has a couple of studies going right now. One is in its third trial for tau. The other um, has to do with frontal temporal lobe. And if you go to alzheimerspeaks.com, you can actually just go uh, to any page on our site at the bottom. You'll see a link for the Alzheimer's Studies Group, and you can get there. Or you can find them on Facebook as the Alzheimer's Team. The Alzheimer's Research and Prevention Foundation is actually going to be joining us the second half of the show, um, but they take a holistic approach and um, really are doing some fascinating work. And so, again, another organization um, that should be looked at closely. Um, for those of you that are dealing with specific types of dementia, such as Lewy body or frontal temporal lobe, or maybe you're dealing with some speech loss um, and the National Aphasia Association might be of help, go to those specific associations as well. They have a wealth of information out there for you. And then many times we're just trying to figure out, you know, how do we interact with people with dementia? And Jiminy Wicket has come up and designed a croquet game that is intergenerational, that can be used by families, or it can be used in an educational setting as well, teaming schools up with memory loss um, communities. So check out Jiminy Wicket. Um, puzzle with me with Jane Snyder. She's developed a really nice um, puzzle that's age-appropriate, less pieces, bigger pieces, and then music first with Coral Health really does um, prescriptions for music. And they, um, you know, they can help people go to sleep, wake up, calm down, um, eat, all kinds of things. Really quite fascinating work that they that they are doing. So don't forget about them. Let me go ahead and introduce some of our guests here today because we've got we have a group of them. Um, the first person I want to introduce is Gary Joseph LeBlanc, and a lot of you may be very familiar with, with Gary. He has a great presence. Um, he's doing wonderful work. He's the author of Staying Afloat in the Sea of Forgetfulness and Managing Alzheimer's and Dementia Behaviors. He also co-authored with Rick Phelps, While I Still Can, and he does a weekly column called Common Sense Caregiving that's published um, by the Tampa Tribune and also the Hernando Today. And he's also in a lot of other health publications. He is the co-founder of the Alzheimer's Dementia Hospital Wristband Project and the co-founder of Dementia Mentors, which we're going to be talking about today. If you're not familiar with the Wristband Project, please go to Gary's website, uh, The Common Sense Caregiver 
and you'll find more information out about that um, because it, it's it's amazing what he has done really in a short period of time. He he writes, he speaks, he trains, um, and plus he's had over 3,000 days and nights of personal experience while caring for his his own father um, in dementia. And so he, he gets this whole journey. We also have with us today um, Dr. Richard Taylor, and Harry Urban, who are men living with the diagnosis of dementia, and they're both making a huge difference in their own way. Richard has spoken to groups large and small around the world. He is one of the most has one of the most informative newsletters with an authentic voice to shift perceptions and drive change. He's written numerous articles and books, along with producing some fascinating uh, DVDs. Richard is one of the first, if not the first, international voice of dementia um, that was really heard and respected um, and embraced by the world. And so I really thank him for all that he has done. Harry Urban has launched a social support group on Facebook called Forgive Me Not in Two Languages. He only speaks one, uh, but that didn't stop Harry from seeing a need and meeting it. And I just think that that is so fascinating, um, that a person with dementia it can go ahead and and do that. I just I think his resolve and his spirit is so wonderful. He's also one of our experts living with dementia on Dementia Chats, which is a free webinar series we do twice a month on Alzheimer's Speaks um, that lets those with dementia um, have a voice. And we invite the public, families, professionals, um, anybody who wants to join us uh, to ask questions and be part of the conversation because the insights that our experts living with dementia give us are are so great. And every single um, episode, I learn something new. And I've been on this path for 30 years with my own mother. Um, so we never have all of the answers. Michael uh, Newverth is also the co-founder of Dementia Mentors. And so I am just going to get all of you live here. And I want to welcome you guys to the show. How are you doing today? Doing good. Thank you, Lori. Well, good. I'm doing well. Thank you very much. Great. Everything's okay in Texas. Everything's good in Texas. Well, that's that's good to hear, Richard. And Harry, you're with us still? I sure am. Okay. Everything's fine here, too. Okay, and you're out in Pennsylvania. And, Michael, whereabouts are you located? Michigan. Michigan. Okay, so we're... Near, near we're, Detroit. Okay, great. So we are just drips and drabs all over the country here, so that's wonderful. I'm going to go ahead and start out and just um, have Gary on the line here. And, Gary, I want you to, um, you know, tell us how, how did Dementia Mentors come about and, and what is it? Well, around the holidays, around the Christmas holidays, Michael contacted me and uh, he wanted to talk after the holidays about what can we do on create a new project to help people with dementia. And uh, after talking with all the other people I know that are living with this disease, they all have one thing in common of how poorly they would, what happened when they got their diagnosis, how poorly the medical community has handled it. I mean, basically, they're 
they're giving these people a terminal diagnosis and sending them out the door and say, I'll see you in six months. So we wanted to do something about that. And that's, that's basically how this all got created. And it, it's been quite the journey putting this together, I will say. I, I can only imagine anytime we launch something new, um, there's so much change and so much tweaking. Can you tell us what are the main goals of Dementia Mentors? I believe that the main goal is to help the people that are newly diagnosed right from the beginning. Um, like I said, the multiple times I hear is that I went through two, three years of depression before I even got up found my footing. And this is what we want to prevent. We want to get them right at the very beginning. Uh, make sure that they know that there's life after the diagnosis, and it's all by how you're handling and ruling your symptoms. And uh, this is a great opportunity to do this. I mean, right from the doctor's office, that's when we want to really start approaching these people and getting them on the right track. Because you don't get back those two, three years. Once they're gone, they're gone, and they do a lot of damage there if you don't handle them correctly. Well, and that's that's very true. That's that's very true, and and depression can just really spiral this disease too if it's if it's not you know gotten under control. So I think that this is just a, a wonderful wonderful avenue. Can you tell us, Gary? Um, you know what happens to people after they're diagnosed, and and um, you know with dementia and related disease, and how is the website really going to help them? What's what's on there that's really going to going to make a difference well you hit it right on the button when you talked about the depression i mean how can you not be depressed after getting a diagnosis of a, a dementia related disease i mean it, they're just hand in hand and the thing is the, the, this program we want to get them out of that stage of depression as early as possible i mean this is the thing on it so we they're going to give them the opportunity to talk one-on-one with somebody that's already lived through the symptoms and living through the symptoms of these diseases and work this is a perfect opportunity to get them out. The depression itself can create symptoms of dementia. So now you get the dementia coming out of the depression, you get the dementia coming out of the disease, and you're actually stacking the two right on top of each other. And this is what we're trying to prevent mostly on this thing. So we want to give them guidance. Um, we're not doctors, we're not attorneys, but these are people that actually have their symptoms. And uh, I mean, I don't think there's a better professional out there to talk about this than these people that are involved in this. I, I I totally, totally agree. Can you tell us what is the one common thing that um, all of the strong advocates that you have with dementia, um, what do they have in common? What 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 do you see? I look at people like Carrie and Richard and uh, so many more others that I know that are strong advocates. And, the one, and they are so far more, I won't say advanced, but they handle the diseases so much better than everybody else. And what I see they have all in common is that they stayed social. Mm-hmm. They didn't just close the front door of their house and wait for the disease to come get them. They've been out in the public. They're speaking. They're advocating. And it's not so much the advocating. It's the fact that they're in the public and they're staying social. I mean, if you if you just want a hermit inside your house and close the door, this disease is going to come faster. There's no if and buts about that in my mind. So I think staying yeah. social is a huge part of this, and that's one part of this program that we're going to work on. We want to keep everybody socially gathered. Yeah, I would I would say the the social piece is huge, and then the purpose piece. I mean, because um, I I've seen that just through the radio show, the the webinar, the blog, um, getting their voice out there, and them seeing how people are gravitating to them, and appreciating their knowledge and um, respecting them. Because I I think so often. 
you know, people feel like they're drop kicked to the curb. You know, they're excluded from conversations. People pull away um, and retreat from their lives, and and now they're back. They're back in the fold again. And and to me, that's one. Of, that's such an exciting piece to be able to be able to see. I'm going to go ahead and pull um, Michael in here. I think this is Michael that I'm pulling in here anyways. Um, Michael, can you tell us, um, how do, will, the, will the website help caregivers, uh, family members, and care partners? Yeah, um, it will, but I do want to stress that we did decide that it's primarily for the people with dementia because everything Gary said, I just want to echo and there's really a need. However, I, I do believe that, first of all, caregivers should watch all the videos. The videos are amazing. I have to, and, and I give kudos to Gary for putting it all together. Um, and I'd like to thank Richard because he's, he's here now and I can thank him. But he was one of the very first to agree, and that sort of got us snowballing. But t- to answer your question, I, I first believe that all the caregivers should and any family member should watch these videos. Richard did one on driving and the keys and that's like such a critical critical issue and I think everyone should should watch that video. So the short answer is definitely for caregivers. Um but the mentoring is going to be primarily for people living with dementia. But for example the brainstorming that I that I will be doing will be primarily for people with dementia but we will also have some activities for the caregivers as well. So um, I, I think that answers that answers the question. And I welcome the caregivers to be in touch with me as well, and we can set up uh, separate sessions brainstorming just for them. Okay. Okay, wonderful. Now, Harry, you actually designed the site. And I love this because who would have thought a person with dementia could, could still design a site? So... How how did this all come into play for you, and and how did it make you feel, Harry, to work on this on this website? Well, let let me start out, uh, uh, Lori, by uh, by explaining that everybody living with dementia, if you talk to anybody, they um, they say dementia is like being on a roller coaster. Okay, now there's 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 two types of people that ride a roller coaster. There's the ones that, as they're riding this roller coaster, they're, they're hanging on for dear life. They're scared to death. And then there's, pe- then there's people like Richard and I that are sitting in the front seat of this roller coaster. we got our hands up in the air. We're laughing. We're enjoying the ride. Now, with the website, I wanted it to be like that. I wanted it to be, first of all, what I call dementia-friendly. Now, I could have used a... uh, There's so many web builders out there that designs your website for you, but they don't do it in a dementia-friendly way. In other words, um, I didn't want want drop-down menus. I didn't want to make a lot of choices in where I want to go. I want to say, oh, yeah, click on it and go there. Um, we put in, we designed it like an audio book that it reads to you if you desire. Now, I did that because 
um, it is so easier for me to to listen and read along than it is for me just to listen. And so we brought that into the site. Um, we wanted it to be very, very informative, and the resource page is growing and growing, but it has so much great information in it. The activity page, I wanted to put um, activities on that page for dementia, someone living with dementia. Okay, we have mm-hmm. to use our mind. We have to do things. Um, I didn't want to shoot them up games, things like that. I wanted to do compare images, things like that, Sudoku's, things like that. And and the website is like that. It is so. It's first of all, it's pleasant. The colors are, I think, very good. It's easy to use. You can go to any page from any other page. By just one click. It had to be one click. I, I didn't want to click on something and have to click on something else and then maybe something else to get there. I wanted it to be one click. And like I said, the the web builders of today, um, they don't do things like that. So mm-hmm. of course I'm living I'm living back in, in, in my old uh in my old programming days, so uh, the best way for me to do what I thought had to be done was write the code myself. So mm-hmm. I dug my books out and I um, I pestered a lot of people. I I counted on people like Gary and and Michael to uh, give me the content, and I kind of lean on them for guidance. And when things got a little a little uh, stressful for me, they were there to help guide me through this. And I think we. I think we ended up with a very good, dementia-friendly website. I, I think you did, too. I think you did an absolutely excellent job. I love all the activities that are on there. The The, the videos are just unbelievable um, and I think going to be helpful to so, so many. Now, I would like to um, ask both Richard and Harry, um, so I'm going to go ahead and pull Richard on the line here to a question. Um, and I, what I'd like to know, and Richard, if you can an- ask, uh, answer this first, um, what was uh, what was it like um, to hear those first words, you have dementia? What did that feel like, Richard? Well, it's numbing. I think it numbs you in ways that uh, you're not even aware of. Um, and the reaction to that numbness then, that kind of otherworldly feeling, uh, is withdrawal. And one of the things this group does is um, put you face-to-face and voice-to-voice and ear-to-ear to people who have walked in your shoes and been in the same place. Um, it's also because you withdraw into yourself. It's very lonely. Uh, it's self-imposed loneliness, but it's reinforced with people. Your caregiver feels lonely. Your friends feel lonely. That is, they feel isolated from you because they see you as being fundamentally different now because of those words, Richard, you have dementia probably of this type or that type. 
and for me, the irony of all this was I didn't even know why it was happening. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't know what dementia was. I didn't know what the definition of it was. I just knew deep inside that this is something that felt very, very lonely. Mhm. Yeah, I can I can totally understand that. It's um it's it's a tough it's a tough tough disease. Um Harry, how about you? How did you feel when you first uh got diagnosed? What 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 hit you? I was handed I was handed in my mind a death sentence. Okay? I was scared. Mm-hmm. I was I was so scared. I had no idea what was ahead of me. So, like most people, I I I ran out. I uh, I got on the computer and I and I googled uh, uh, all about my disease. And the only information I got was the late stage information. Okay, and and I read a lot. I read a lot, but but the things I read about was late stages. Mm-hmm. And I got to thinking that I'm not in the late stage. You know, there has to be something for me just newly diagnosed. Now, that was 10 years ago. And uh, to be honest with you, very little has changed since then. If you still, if you still Google that, I mean, my goodness, boy, you get, you get diagnosed with this disease, you get on the Internet for information, and you get all this late stages information. Nothing, nothing there that is going to give you hope that that life does carry on after after diagnosis. And that's one of the things we want to do on dementia mentors. We want to get the word out that there is life after diagnosis. That um, you may have you may have many many years living with this disease. Now, what you do with those years is up to you. But we're mm-hmm. hoping what you do is you carry on with your life because you can do it. Mhm. Well, that's that's good. I think uh, I, I think you're both right. We hear over and over just how devastating this is, <laughs> and, and you go, you know, when I, I when I go speak, I, I talk to people about how you know if you weren't scared before, you go out on the internet, and now you're just you're, you're just terrified, you know, with what you hear, um, but. What I am seeing and what I've seen in the last, I'd say, five years is just so many new um, positive venues um, that are out there like um, Dementia Mentors, like Forget-Me-Not, like uh, Richard's webpage, um, Gary's, you know, um, Common Sense Caregiver, like Alzheimer's Speaks. All of those are really out there giving hope, and people are working collaboratively together, and I think it's making a a massive, massive um, difference. Richard, what advice would you give someone who is newly diagnosed? Uh, Well, uh, there's... Uh, you're still alive. Uh, you still have your whole life ahead of you. Nothing has changed because of those words. You have dementia other than what you choose to respond to between your own ears. And there's so many stigmas floating outside of you and within you that are going to try to define you. 
that you have to, it's a struggle to find yourself. It's a struggle to hang on to yourself, to be yourself. When you honestly believe that yourself has fundamentally been changed by those words, uh, and you lose what I call purpose, you lose your sense of purpose. Why do you open your eyes up in the morning? Well, you got to find that again. It may be new. It may be uh, a sense of purpose that requires other people to help you achieve it, when, whereas before you did it by yourself. But I think central to every human being is the sense that I'm lovable and I'm capable of giving love, and I need to do both. And those things kind of get swept under the rug by what drug should I take and uh, am I going to end up like my Aunt Mary or Uncle Joe or Grandpa Johnson. And the truth is we can only all live one day at a time, and that's today. And so it's going to take us more and more effort to understand and appreciate today and feel good about being alive today. And if we don't do it by ourselves, we should do it in conjunction with other people who are sitting next to us in the same dementia boat. And this site and this mentoring program and these videos are intended to help give people some comfort and support and the opportunity for more comfort and support through the web uh, that just hasn't been available before. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Do you, um, when you first got diagnosed, was was the web really out there? Was it a resource at all at that point? Well, it was out there. I mean, I Googled Alzheimer's, and I think there were about a million two uh, sites. But I'll bet you out of a million of them, no more than half a dozen of them, were by people who had dementia, and they were very difficult to find. There were occasional blogs here and there, but most of the time what you discovered was it was a caregiver's world on the web rather than people with dementia. And now you find us finding our own voice on on the web, which I think is an excellent thing. And you find us finding each other, which I think is even a better thing. So, you know, I've been living with this diagnosis for almost 10 years. And I think we're in a different place now than we were when we started out, thanks to people like Gary. Um, And that the web allows us, some of us, I understand this does not reach every person living with dementia. And we need to come up with creative ways of communicating to people who don't have the Internet, who don't own computers, who aren't computer literate or savvy. Uh, But we have to deal with this tool because it's so useful in the lives of most of us that we need to transition. And as Harry says, it has to be a, a smoother transition than simply doing the same thing. It has to be simpler for us. It has to be more direct. It has to be something that other people can enable us and help us with, but it still has to be ours. So I see the web has become a far more effective tool than it was before because before it was full of a lot of information 
and a lot of examples of people in the latter stages of dementia, but almost none with people in the earlier stages. And those mm-hmm. are really the people who are now standing up and speaking out. And the web gives you the choice to do that. There's some just uh, a couple of handful of excellent blogs out there now that there never were before. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's becoming, in addition to a very fine caregiver's world, it's not the best professional world yet. Professionals still misunderstand us and don't get it most of the time, that mm-hmm. we're still whole human beings and that we're still all here. But caregivers can appreciate that, I believe. Uh, and we certainly know it, people living with dementia. Mm-hmm. And so I have been amazed that once you add a picture of somebody and that picture is a TV screen and it starts talking with you, why, it changes your world. It lets you connect with people that are not in your community but are in your community in the sense that there's a kindred spirit among people who have dementia, regardless of what your first language was or what country you live in or really where you are in terms of your own symptoms. And the web allows us to see that and to feel that and to respond to that. Okay. Wonderful. Thank you. Harry, how about you? Um, what advice would you give somebody who is living with dementia? The, the the advice I give the most is don't dwell on the things you lost. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get them back. Just concentrate on what you still have and make the most of it. You know, mm-hmm. so many people that I talk to, the first thing they say, well, I can't do that anymore. And I stop them and I say, well, let's talk about the things you can do. You know, mm-hmm. and, and they kind of look at me. And and after a while, they get the, well, I can still do this, I can still do that. And, and after a while, they realize that, that they do have a nice life. If they, if, they get, if they leave that old baggage of, I lost, behind them. Don't worry about the things you lost. There's nothing you can do about that. I mean, it's not, it's not going to come back. You know, you have mm-hmm. to realize that. It's not, it's not like I lost my car keys and... And all of a sudden, they show up someplace. Well, speaking for myself now, the things I lost, I lost. I just can't do them anymore. But you know what? I don't think about it. I don't dwell on it. I don't worry about it. I just concentrate on my future, whatever that that is. And mm-hmm. uh, I think if everybody, the, the thing that I try the most to, the message I, I try to get across is, is there is life after after your diagnosis. You can do things. Climb your mountain, whatever your mountain is. Your mountain may not be as high as mine, or it might be a lot higher than mine. But if you don't try to do it, you will never know if you could. Well, I, I think that's great advice. I think what Richard and Harry are both saying is, is life goes on. You know, c- continue to have your dreams and your goals, and, and make a difference and interact. And um, you guys are making such a massive difference in the world. I, I hope you you each know that um, the lives you have touched is, you know, we probably can't even count. Um, the numbers of people that you have touched and the ripple effect of of your work. 
Um, and even though you might not be getting paid for your work, um, you know, it, you really are working for the greater good. Um, and people need to, re- people really need to take your voice seriously and appreciate um, what it takes for you guys to do what you do um, and the passion and drive that you have. I just have so much respect. Um, for for all of our voices of dementia around the world, and I just applaud them to being brave and speaking up and standing out and and saying, "Hey, uh, you know, I've got a disease, um, and it needs to get better, um, but that there is life and there is purpose with this, and so don't you dare diminish me. Don't think." You know, don't make me a little puddle on the ground. I am here and I belong and and I have life to live and I have life to give and you have breathed so much life into the world that again I, I just I thank you all um for that. Gary, I'd like to ask you um the next question. Can you tell us a little bit about the three minute videos um that the mentors have have put out and why did you do them and why do you think they're important? Well, it's important to realize that our mentors, our dementia mentors are from all over the globe. We got people from the UK, we got we had a lady sign up from Germany, now Scotland. Uh, Indonesia. I mean, so we're getting different concepts and different opinions of what's happening around the globe on this thing. On it. So these videos, we ask all our mentors to do a video that are three minutes or under to keep them the tension span down a little bit. Uh, Richard goes a little longer, but um, that's okay. Um, but the information on these videos, you're not going to find anywhere. I mean, they're mm-hmm. outstanding. I mean, it, everybody's got their own opinion. We could talk about the same subject matter, but you're going to have somebody from Germany. You're going to have somebody there. And you earlier asked, Michael, where can the caregivers benefit from this website? This is the place right here, right from mm-hmm. the videos. So you're going to hear exactly what these people are experiencing from them. I mean, it, yeah. it's, that's, you're not going to find anywhere like this all in one place. And like I said, it's outstanding on that. Yeah, I think it. I think it's going to be um, amazing. The and 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 I don't know if you have this on your site, but if not, I would recommend that you um, put a put a piece on your site for um, just testimonials because I think they're going to be rolling in the door um, one after another. Because because I know just from what we do with dementia chats and having the conversations, and and I don't have that piece on our site for testimonials for that I really should but the stories are fascinating and the impact is amazing I, um, I just want to add one more thing all the videos all the mentions we have they're all from different types of dementia related diseases so we mm-hmm. have somebody that's talking about Lewy body dementia we have another person that's talking about front temporal lobe we have another person talking about TBI injuries I mean uh-huh. so we, we really covered all these different types of dementia and then when you come in to ask for a private mentoring session we're going to line you up with somebody that's facing the same symptoms as you. So this is yep. a pretty outstanding. You know, so we can, there's a lot to be learned from these people. The last six months I've been working with these people have totally changed my insight of what I feel known about the disease for 17 years. Uh-huh. It's been an amazing, amazing journey working with these people. They're, they're amazing people. They really are. All of they them. really are. They really are. Can you t- Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no go ahead. Okay, I was going to ask you if you can also explain the virtual memory cafe and how that's going to work on the on the website. 
Okay, we talked about how we want to keep people social, that being social is one of the biggest benefits to keep people moving forward with this disease. So a virtual mm-hmm. memory, memory cafes are gathering. They're not really like a support group, but they're a gathering of people with dementia to go and talk about whatever they want. If they want to talk about their symptoms, that's fine. Or if they want to just talk about the movie they saw or, or the weather that day, that's fine too. So we're going to take mm-hmm. it a step further with memory dementia, uh, dementia memories, I'm sorry. We're going to do them virtually. We're going to do them online. They're all going to be done through your webcam and video. Right from your living room, you get an opportunity to sit there with 20, 30 other people with dementia and just have a social gathering. And, uh, mm-hmm. and it, can feel, it can be, you know, they're all going to be held confidentially between the groups. Um, and I think this is very important for people with dementia. And if the caregivers are out there listening, they should get their loved ones involved in this. If they're just sitting home, you know, doing, let them sit down, put the computer in front of them, and let them visit with everybody else that's going through the same symptoms. I think this is only a win-win situation for these people. Mm-hmm. Now, so we're going to run what? them a couple times a week. We're going to get going. As, as we build the site, we're going to do more and more of them at different times of day because we're covering so many different time zones with being so international. But, uh, we're learning as we go. So bottom okay. Line. So for the size of the memory cafe, I know like for our physical size, I like to I like to keep ours to eleven to fifteen people because otherwise it gets too big um, and loses the the intimacy um, that I think is just critical in terms of building community. Have you guys given any thought to size of your your memory cafe? And yeah, we're thinking twenty twenty to twenty five per group somewhere in that okay. range on it. We'll see how they go. How the people sign up on it. We've already got quite a okay. few people that signed up for it. Okay. Okay. Well, sounds sounds good. I think that I I think that that's really a, a fantastic uh, route to go. Now, with the memory cafe, you know, typically those are for um, the person with dementia and their care partner. Is your memory cafe just for the person with dementia, or is it for both? Um, I mean, if the care partner wants to listen in with them, that's fine. But this is really for the people that are living with dementia. Okay. 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 I just wanted to make that wanted to make that clarification um, on that. Michael, I'm going to go ahead and pull you in next here again, and I've got a question for you. Now you're going to be running the brainstorming sessions. Can you can you give us a little bit more? Sure. I'm going to pull you in. Okay. Here we go. Um, uh, can you give us a little bit more detail on on what you mean by brainstorming, and what are you what are you looking to pull from this group? Sure. Um, the main reason why I really love our site, and I just want to throw our logo out there, mentoring, motivation, and more, is because when when Gary and I first brainstormed on this, and then we brought in Harry, we. We look, we, I look at people like Harry Richard and all of our mentors, Norm Mack. I have to give him a, a shout-out. Um, these guys have dementia, but they're living their lives, and they're actually doing things that are so inspiring and so motivational, That um, and they have dementia. By the way, they have dementia. So with the brainstorming, we want to come up with solutions for people living with dementia. Everything you said at the very beginning of your introduction to your show, I actually wrote it down, where you said winning the battle helped everyone live better with dementia. That's what you're trying to do. We're following Mm -hmm. in your footsteps, standing on your shoulders, and we want to brainstorm with the people who have dementia and ask them, what do you need? 
tell me about your day, what, what's bothering you. And actually, as Gary said, Dementia Mentors came out of a brainstorming that I had with Gary when I asked him that same question. I said, hey, Gary, you know, you're in this business for years and years. You're one of the top experts. What are people with dementia? What do they need? And he said, uh, mentors and mentoring and everything else. So that, that's our goal. Our goal is to give the people with dementia a voice, make them feel that they can contribute because they can contribute. You look at all of our mentors and what they're doing, we want to do the same. We want people living with dementia to say, when I go to the doctor, he ignores me. He, all mm-hmm. he does is look at my care, my caregiver. Why, what, what can I do to get him not to ignore me? Maybe we can develop some kind of app. Maybe we, we don't really know, and the, the process is more important than the solution. We, we want people living with dementia to say, hey, I'm out there. I'm here. I can contribute. I'm going to give you the needs, and we're going to brainstorm, and maybe we'll come up with something that can help every dementia patient, every person living with dementia, uh, go ahead and have a better life. That's the goal of the brainstorming uh, sessions. And the, the coolest thing is that it's with people. A young kid who comes up with a new app, he has no idea what dementia is, and he can try to make a solution for someone living with dementia. But why not just have the people living with dementia tell us what they need? It's, it's mm-hmm. as simple as that. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny that um, it is as simple as that. And people, I, I find, routinely try to make it so much more complicated. And I'm always pulling back people to, it's no, really, it's that simple. We have to stop getting in our ways. We have to ignite the creativity. We have to be open to listening to new ideas and stop thinking that there's just one way to do it. And I, I think I love um, the approach you guys are taking because you're saying, you know, we are all inclusive. Everyone has a voice. We want to hear it um, because there isn't one way. Everybody deals with this a little different and we can twist and tweak things and, um, you know, apply it to meet our needs and it's beautiful when that happens and it it just is such a natural easy process really compared to um, some of the more structured environments that that people try to work within Um, and it's so much more fun so I I think that that's a a great great uh, venue that you guys are are doing and and going to have for people to be able to tap into. That's, that'll be wonderful, absolutely wonderful. Um, Great. And I just want just one, one tiny little mm-hmm. thing. I just want the, the, the people living with dementia, you have so much to offer. You're, you're there. You have no idea, because Harry is so modest, what he did mm-hmm. for our website. You have no idea. Mm-hmm. He, he said he got He made one hell of a website that I think can compare to any website built either from scratch or in WordPress. And by mm-hmm. the way, he has dementia. <laughs> Whether yep. he has dementia or not, I would take him today to do a website for me. And by the way, he has yep. dementia. Oh, yeah. So so I, th- that's really what the brainstorming is going to be all about, just getting people to to share and give us their thoughts. Yep. Exactly. Well, and, I, you know, I want to pull in a comment here that Rick Phelps had um, made in the chat box. He just had noted that, you know, the Internet should 
should um, never be used for research of any kind. Um, he says, you know, what's posted on the Internet is no better than the person posting it. So people have to be really careful out there because it's so easy when you're on the edge to go down the rabbit hole. And, um, you know, go to go to a place where you can find support and guidance um, by those that get it, who have been there, done that, doing it. Um, it just it just makes uh, so much more sense. And I think you will find a, a richer life and a more purposeful life a lot faster when you, you know, just reach out a hand for support. It's there for you. Um, people love being able to help one another. And it's um it, it really it's it's joyous there's nothing to be embarrassed about or ashamed of that's the whole point of this um is is connections um there's there's so much support out there um you know please tap into it you know is is the message that i i guess i would really like people to hear um now gary you have built a, a i should say harry's built the resource page but gary can you tell us a little bit about that resource page and and um why you felt it was important and then harry i'm going to pull you into this conversation as well uh the resource page Everything that we have on the top part of that resource page, our websites and blogs and everything, built by people with dementia for dementia. And mm-hmm. it took me forever to go through. Everything is in the world is out there for caregivers. But trying to find something for the people living with dementia, it's rare doing it. So the one great part about this whole program is that we are so international. Like we just have a woman join us from Scotland. Now we're going to have a whole new set of resources for people with, living with dementia from that part of the world. And every mm-hmm. time another mentor is from another part of the internationally, we're going to have a whole – that resource page is just going to grow and grow and grow. And that's mm-hmm. just kind of exciting on that. And we have a bunch of international resource pages on that and everything on it. But um, this is – it was very difficult. I, and I, it's almost embarrassing to say this. That there wasn't hardly anything out there for me. I really had to work hard to find what I found. But then, yep. like dealing with the other mentors, the new mentors coming in and get bigger and bigger, and that that page is only going to grow. So that's that's a great resource for these people. Well, and I think it's I think it's fantastic. I have uh, when I go out and speak, I have a list that I hand out to people with. Uh, you know, connections, and then I break it down. These are people with dementia. These are caregivers, and then these are you know official organizations. And um, but you've you know you've got uh, more on here that I just I love that I want to I want. Well, I'll just add the dementia mentors on there to to point them to this this page um, um, specifically. One of the things I'm just going to make a comment on, and again, I think it's a you've built a brilliant website. But when I when I go here i don't know if you can add a bar for the resources because you don't find it or and, and it could be moi you know a lot of times it's operator error at my end um but i'm not seeing the resources listed until i go until i click on the virtual yeah, no. memory cafe so, right. so um, either the footer or bottom footer on the website you can go from any page from either the top or the bottom footers on it so there okay. should be something on the bottom Oh, okay, okay, yeah. You know, to me, and again, I don't know if if this is would be helpful or not. But for, I mean, for me, if there was that gray bar underneath the gold bar that had that um, on every page at the top, that would be more helpful for me because I don't always know to scroll down to the bottom. And I, I, 
my guess is I'm probably not alone, but I could be. I could be. So that's just like my, that. my that's just my two cents. I think it's a wonderful, wonderful website, though. Um, Harry, um, can you tell? Uh, can you tell? why it was important to have these resources listed. Oh, my goodness. There's there's no place to go. There's no place to go to get legitimate, uh, reliable information. Okay, now, um, what what we're trying to do on the resource page is on the, uh, the right-hand side, you see a column of... Uh, of logos and stuff of, of various websites. Now, I I did that for a reason, because a lot of times uh, I have a hard time reading what a website is as a resource. So I, I, I just glance over it, and I can't find it. But if I see a logo um, and I see that, that visual picture, I can click on it right away and mm-hmm. go to it. That's that's why we did it like that. Uh, I, you know, when, when you said it's hard to get to the the resource page, um, no, it, it's not. It's not if you have if you have dementia. Now you have to think how we think, and uh, that's that's how I build into this. I don't want this page to be for the caregiver. Uh, I shouldn't say that, but but I I, I look through the eyes of of someone with dementia, so that's what I'm geared up for. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at if you look at Windows 8, Windows 8 went to the tiles, and uh, I forget what else they call these things. That uh, but you see a picture, you click on it, and it opened up that program. Okay, I wanted the same concept here where um, you see a tile, you see a block, you see something, you click on it, and it opens up to it. It is so much easier for somebody with dementia than if they would have to, like some of these websites have very long, complicated names. And yep. uh, to me, I have no idea what they are. But if I see if I see golden arches, I know that's McDonald's, Okay. And if I click on that, I'm going to get McDonald's menu. And it's the same thing we're trying to build into this website that um, everything is visual. You see something, you click on it, it takes you there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wonderful. Um, and I am just going to go ahead and ask Richard if there was anything that, that you would like to add regarding the resources and the importance of having those. I would say one of the things would be for uh, people who come to the site to understand that they, too, are a resource, and um, their voice is just as interesting and and just as unique as anybody else in the resource. Uh, And there is a value in participating in this whole process to the individual as opposed to just giving support for other people, you also receive support just by giving it. It's like being in love and 
you give yourself to the person that you love. You give all of yourself to the person that you love, but by the giving, you're also receiving a gift that you would never have the opportunity to receive unless you found somebody you could give it all to. And and I'm not saying that this is comparable to falling in love to meeting other people with dementia, but there's a uh, a level to it that just transcends the word resource. We're more than resources for each other. We're two-way streets that uh, need to be more busy traveled between uh, them and I and I and them. And we shouldn't miss that in in, in uh, our discussion of looking outside of the, just the people who have dementia. And that's one thing one wonderful thing about the supporters of this, that they've designed this as kind of a, a template for people with dementia to use to find each other. Mm-hmm. And I find that a very, very valuable resource, just the process of doing it and discovering it. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, Gary, can you, I know that you've got to get running here. Can you explain to us uh how you feel the program will run like a two-way uh, two-way street between mentor and um, mentee. For an example, Harry did his did uh, his first live mentoring session yesterday. And as soon as he got done, he called me. I don't think his feet were even touching the floor. He was so excited when he called. <laughs> now, what he was telling me, and we knew this was going to happen. When you help somebody, if you're a normal person, that's you know, unless there's something seriously wrong inside. You, you have this uplifting feeling of helping somebody. So for the mentors, mentoring the mentees, it helps both parties. Mm-hmm. This is nothing but good for the mentors. It's giving them purpose, and it's helping the mentees help with their symptoms of the disease. So it's a win-win street. It, it helps both sides of the street. That's why I'm like. Very good for the mentors that's going through that. We have our, our form on the page if you want to become a mentor. You have, you know, if you're diagnosed with um, some type of dementia and you think you want to help the newly diagnosed, come visit us. Well, we'll help you set up on this thing on it. So we want to cover all the different relations, all the different uh, dementia-related diseases. And like I said, it's going to be good for the mentor and the mentee, and that's what I mean by that. It's really okay. everybody involved with this thing has been excited. It's been – it's helped everybody. Okay. It's a great now, journey putting this thing together. Are you looking for more volunteers to become dementia mentors? Yes. And, so the one and thing how – we kind of the one thing we kind of have missing right now, and I know we'll get there as we grow, but we don't have our mentors talking about vascular dementia just under the end. That kind of surprised me a little bit. So if you got somebody that you know that's with vascular, that's suffering vascular dementia, we'd like to bring them into this uh, as a mentor for that type thing. We really want to match the mentee with the mentor with the same symptoms of what type of dementia they have as much as, as, much as possible. Sometimes it won't happen, but sometimes that's, that's our goal anyway with that. Okay. And then um, what's, what do you see as next for you guys? you got a lot on the plate. You just launched, and this is huge, needless to say. It's going to be growth. I think we're really going to do well on this. Um, we might eventually maybe do something, an adaption of this for caregivers, but right now we just want to concentrate on the, those living with dementia. Uh, but this site is just going to get bigger by the day. Like I said, every time we get a new mentor coming in, like Richard said, these people are resources. I mean, and you're not going to find resources like these people. They offer so much, it's unbelievable. So uh, yep. where we're going to go in what direction, it's going to be up. 
and we're, we're definitely getting bigger and we're going to go. I mean, we've only but, been launched for a couple of days. We're already building. You know, the last two days have been amazing. Yep. How can people listening help get the word out about Dementia Mentors? If you're going to a support group, you can go on to the resource page and there's a link for a flyer. Print out that flyer. Bring it to your doctor's office. Bring it to the support groups. If you hand this to the doctor, maybe that doctor will start realizing, how do I actually diagnose these people and what do I do when they leave in the, the office? Maybe it'll start that conversation and to have the medical professional realize that they're not actually handling this the correct way. we got to start mm-hmm. the conversation with the medical professional. And by handing them a flyer, then very well do it, at least with that one person. So, uh, Support groups, like I said, when you talk about it, you go into a support group, talk about it. Just start spreading the word. Pass the flyers around. Keep mentioning it, share the links. Yeah, I think for for all the support groups, um, you know, this will be just a a wonderful, wonderful resource. We'll add it into our our newsletter and, um, you know, try to get it out there as much as as we can because I I just think it's going to be such a – well, it is already a valuable site, and it's just going to keep growing and growing um, in terms of of, of what happens. I, I think it's going to be really exciting to watch um, the creativity and the needs that come out of this. And I think it's also going to be exciting how fast it's all going to happen um, because of the passion driving it um, and the ease. And I know that, you know, Dementia Mentors is not funded. Um, you know, this isn't a big organization. This is people who believe. It's as simple as that. There's people who believe they can make a difference and are going to make a difference, and nothing's going to stop them. And, and you know, you get that, that energy in motion, and it's, it's a pretty cool thing to see. Um, it's very, very powerful, and it's uplifting to, like you said, all involved from, from those who have started this from scratch to, to brand-new members um, to people with dementia to people who don't have dementia. The... We all have so much to learn about this disease, and and I I firmly believe that Dementia Mentors is a gift to the world. Um, You guys have done a really nice job with your insights in terms of what it is you're trying to provide, and and again, I I thank you very much for that. Gary, do you have any last comments at all? No, I just want to thank you for bringing this and letting us talk about this. Uh, like I said, this thing is this thing will grow. We're learning as we go. Nobody's ever done this before, so we're kind of breaking ground here. But uh, yep. as we get, we're only going to get bigger and better. I mean, so just spread the word. We've got people waiting to be mentees. So. Great. Well, that's great. Michael, how about you? Do you have any uh, comments that you would like to make in terms of wrapping up? Yeah, I, I would just like to say that we don't give medical advice. But I truly, truly, truly believe that the Harrys and the Richards and the Norms of the world, because they have a reason to get out of bed, I think that it is having a positive effect on their lives. And that, that probably has a positive effect on, on their dementia. And all the social activities we want to do are hopefully going to give people with dementia a reason to get out of bed and to think positive and to help each other. And that's what Dementia Mentors is all about. And the the final thing is that our goal is the mentees of today will be the mentors of tomorrow. 
So we want this site to continue to build on itself and really just get, get people involved. But I, you, you calling us a gift to the world, I can't top that. And I think I'm a great copywriter, but I can't be better <laughs> than a gift to the world. If we're a gift to the world, then I think that Harry, Gary, and I, and Richard and all the mentors, um, I mean, that's worth more than money in my, in my life. I mean, I want to be a gift to the world. So thank you for saying that. And thank you, Lori, for really helping us spread the word because that's what we want to do right now is really just get the word out. Um, so thank you very much for this opportunity. I appreciate it very much. Oh, well, thank you. Um, Richard, I'm going to call you in next. Um, any any last-minute words of wisdom or things that you want to say regarding uh, Dementia Mentors and what what being involved in this means to you? Well, we're moving to a, a, a different level of awareness and, and a deeper level. Uh, have deepened the possibility of fulfillment with this project. Uh, there was a time when everyone was just happy to be able to tell their story and someone who would sit and listen and hear our stories. And then there was a time when people were happy to tell their stories and then answer questions. And this now marks a time for people with dementia to speak to each other directly and to mentor each other both at the same time. And these are pretty much unique opportunities that the web just magnifies a million times the possibility of it. So this could be a a turning point in relationships of people with dementia with each other. And I think that's a wonderful, wonderful thing that's happening. I, I agree. Um, I think that we have gotten to another level. Um, and I'd also like to piggyback on, on uh, Michael's statement saying, you know, that you guys aren't giving medical advice. Um, and, and no, you're not. You you are giving, uh, you know, real, everyday, realistic advice on how to live with the disease, not as it. And to me, um, that is something that I longed for so bad with my mom on our 30-year journey. I got tired of the medical advice of of putting us in um, in little you know silos and in categories and and saying this is it and it's black and white because my gosh if if anything is gray in the world it's <laughs> it's dementia. There are many shades of dementia. And, you know, each person is affected differently. The person diagnosed, the person caring for them, the environment, um, and it ebbs and it flows. And um, I think what we need as a world um, more than a cure, and I know there will be people that argue this with me, um, because a cure would be wonderful, don't get me wrong, but we need we need the support to live gracefully with this disease. And I think Dementia Mentors is going to be a, a big addition in that toolbox to help people live gracefully um, with with this disease. So um, thank you, Richard, for your comments and, and all you, you've just done so much um, and you've been doing it for so long. Um, you you truly are one of the the um, heroes out there in terms of the voices of dementia. So so thank you, um, Harry. Thank how you. about 
how about you? Any any comments that you have? Anything you want to say about how you feel about being part of Dementia Mentors? You know I have comments. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's why I saved you for last, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> we, we all want change. We all know that 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 uh, that the world of dementia has to change, and we also know we being as living with this disease, we all know that if change is going to be made, we have to do it. Um, mm-hmm. Now we could told so many times we can't do that, but you know what? We're going to do it, and the changes you see coming up is going to be changes made by people living with dementia. The world's changing, and it's changing because of all of us living this disease, getting tired of living this way, and we're going to make changes. And and you guys are making changes. I mean, there's there's no ifs, ands, or buts. I I am so honored to have you all on the show today. Um, you guys are just absolutely um, doing a, a fantastic job. And I encourage everyone who is listening to this show to um, you know click on Dementia Mentors. The link is um, in the chat box. It's also on the homepage of our radio show. Um, but you can just go to DementiaMentors.com. Again, that's DementiaMentors.com. And check out, check it out and then like them, uh, share them, um, make sure your sphere knows about them because somebody out there who you don't even know who is struggling needs this help and and you you can be you can be a gift to them in terms of of giving them that information so thank thank you um Gary LeBlanc uh, again Richard Taylor Harry Urban Michael Newworth um for for all you are doing I really really appreciate it so much and we'll have to have you back on the show um maybe in a few months you can give us an update cuz my guess is from those brainstorming sessions, you're going to have some more things to tell us, and we're going to want to hear all about it. So again, remember, DementiaMentors.com. Before I introduce our second guest here, I um, do, who it looks like just dropped off the line. Oh, no, here she is. Um, I do want to just do our mid-program highlights here. And... Um, give you all just a a little bit of of information in case you missed our last show. It was called A Love Story of Dementia, and it was with Jane Sweeney, um, who uses the pen name of JC, who wrote the book Caregiver, My Love Story Facing Dementia, and it was just a beautiful interview, very powerful, um, and very uh, a very care uh, caregiver friendly book as well. And then we also had Dr. Shubin on the line, and he is active in research, and he talked about his tau. Um, trial that's in in the third uh, third stage there. Our next show coming up uh, next Tuesday on the tenth is going to be we're going to be getting some global updates from Executive Director Mark uh, Wartman with Alzheimer's Disease International, and we're also going to have 
an author on who wrote the book What Flowers Remember. And this is a, a neat little book. It's a middle grade, um, it targets middle grade students. And it's a story of a young girl that um, has a neighbor who she loves like a grandfather who develops Alzheimer's. And it talks about her coming to an understanding of um, you know what happens um, when people die and live on in our minds and our hearts. So, um, looking forward to that that interview next week with both of them. If you missed dementia chats on May 27th, again all of those are recorded. Just go to alzheimerspeaks.com, and you can uh, go to the about page to the dementia chats section. And go ahead and listen to that recording. We discussed, again, the holiday weekend and adjustments that people had to make and why, um, when they're diagnosed, ways to educate and empower care partners and caregivers and what it feels like to be excluded and how we can educate both the public and professionals on the power of inclusion in purpose, which is a lot of what we talked about um, today um, with Dementia Mentors. On the blog, you're going to find um, a few articles. Uh, our intern, Michelle, wrote one about favorite things. There's a couple of articles um, regarding uh, veterans in Memorial Day. And um, again, there you can also find a link to to chats as well. Uh, for those of you that are just tuning in now, I always like to give a shout out to a few organizations. Uh, the Alzheimer's Research and Prevention Foundation, one of my favorites that has a, has a holistic approach. Um, they're really about diet and exercise and, and a healthy mind as well. We have Alzheimer's Disease International, where you can find an Alzheimer's Association anywhere in the world that can assist you. Don't forget about the Lewy Body uh, Association, the Frontal Temporal Lobe, and the National Aphasia Association. Um, you know, when you're dealing with those specific criteria, it's good to get to those uh, specific organizations because they're just going to have additional resources for you. The Purple Angel Project, if you're interested in helping raise awareness, uh, contact me just at Lori, L-O-R-I, at alzheimerspeaks.com, or you can go to our website and just click the contact button. I'd be glad to talk with you further on how you, too, can help make a difference if you're an individual or if you're a corporation, um, it doesn't make any difference. It takes all of us to work together uh, to do this. So um, let me go ahead and introduce our, our next guest here. This is going to be an interesting conversation. We have Dr. Uh, Karen Koffler with us, um, and she serves as a member of the Scientific Advisory Council um, for the Alzheimer's Research and Prevention Foundation. Dr. Koffler received her medical degree at the University of Miami, and she interned in Chicago and then went on to complete her residency at the University of Colorado in internal medicine. She started out as an emergency room physician in a variety of settings, and she helped develop the first um, hospitalist program in Denver and went on to focus on intensive care um, and uh, and then from there um, she really started to begin to realize that 
the healthcare system that we have did little to prevent disease, and she also found that it often contributed to illness, and it wasn't truly seeking um, that understanding of what was the root of the problem. And so she decided to look away from practicing medicine, and she kind of changed her personal philosophy to get getting to that root of the problem. What is actually causing the symptoms? And started looking for a more gentle means to restore health. This led her uh, to being accepted to the first class of physicians trained by Dr. Andrew Wild at the University of Arizona. And after a two-year fellowship um, focused on expanding her conventional training, um, it included nutrition and herbs and vitamins and supplements, mind and body therapies, spirituality, Chinese medicine, acupuncture and other alternative approaches to healing and she was then recruited by Evanston Northwestern Healthcare in Chicago to design and run an integrative medical clinic so she just has an extensive um, very interesting background in her seven years um, at the clinic, um, she helped also develop a survey tool to evaluate outcomes of integrative medical approaches, and she influenced the hospital pharmacy. So their initial, in, and even though they were initially kind of reluctant, um, they started carrying supplements, and and that's a pretty big statement to be able to to shift that. She also ran a fellowship and an integrate for integrative medicine and taught at Northwestern uh, Medical School and developed a clinic that received 60% of their referrals from physicians on staff. And that is a huge statement um, in an industry that typically doesn't believe in alternative medicine. Um, she is presently the director at the Canon. Okay, so it looks like uh, I got disconnected according to my switchboard here, and I'm still trying to get uh, Dr. Colfer in. I think she's going to call back in because the line has dropped off now, so I'm hoping that you can hear me and that we're live. Um, uh, apparently my Internet got uh got disconnected there. So I think we've got her on the line now. Dr. Colfer, are you there? I'm here. I'm here. I'm so I don't know exactly what happened, but I'm happy to be back on. I think it was it was either my connection or the radio's connection because I got a notice that I was calling back in, which I never left to my knowledge. <laughs> so I thought oh, okay. I, I think it was me. I don't know if you could hear me even rambling on or not and, and stuff. Well so I, I heard your you. lovely introduction. I appreciate that. Well, good. Well, I was there for that. That was so great. Well, I'm excited to have you on the show with us today. You know, our our um, mind, body, and spirit is so important, um, you know, to living well, and it's something that we don't, a lot of us just don't address um, and take as seriously as, as we do um, so many other things in our life. And so I think it's really important for us to understand you know what effect food has on our bodies, especially as our a as we age. And I'm wondering if you can share with us um, and share with our audience here. You know how important is it to notice what it is we're putting in our bodies? Oh wow! So of course, 
that really is, I think, the most essential. If I had to grade how important each lifestyle behavior is, undoubtedly diet would top that list. And I'm I'm an avid exerciser, and I would still say diet tops that list. We are what we eat. You know, it's an ancient saying, and it's absolutely true. And the reason is, is beyond the energy component to food, which everyone has learned well. They all know to look at calories. They all count calories. We've been doing that for quite some time. But beyond that, actually, is the information that is in food. Food is energy and it's information. And that information, once it gets absorbed into your bloodstream and gets presented to cells, literally tells the cell what to do. And so if we're feeding our body good information, the right information, the kind of information that it has known throughout the history of man, that cell is going to behave well. It's going to, it's going to optimize its function. It's going to keep the person in a homeostatic state, i.e. an ideal healing state. If we're feeding the body the wrong information, and a lot of that is chemically based, you know, what's essentially in the center of our grocery stores that has been created by man in the last 40 or 50 years is really the stuff that is harmful to the cell. So the cell may take it in because that information looks like something it could use, but it ends up gumming up the works. It turns on genes that it shouldn't. It turns off genes that it shouldn't. And, and, and so we have a system that begins to behave in an aberrant way. Um, it can't protect itself as well as it should. It turns on the immune cells when it shouldn't and so forth. So we are absolutely what we eat despite the fact that we tell ourselves wonderful stories about the dessert that we simply must have or, you know, the ice cream shake at this company that we just must have as we drive by. You know, all those stories are are a creation and they're really injurious to us at the deepest level of who we are. Yeah, I I agree. And it's... um it's something I know that I need to get better at in terms of, because it's so easy when we're busy just to go throw something in our mouth that, you know, it's just handy or it's easy or it's fast. And right. I'm, I'm really, really trying to be more conscious of of choices. And I still have a long ways to go um, on right. that. And, and because most of what is available to us is something that's packaged and something that tastes good and something that's very calorie-dense typically, um, it takes time. It certainly does. You're right, Lori. It, it takes time to, to prepare foods so that you're, you're cut off at the pass. You're less likely to hit up the vending machine if you've already brought for yourself healthy snacks and a good meal. Um, but that definitely takes time and attention. But in fact... We need good nutrition even more when we're stressed because when we're stressed, the body is under siege. If you're then not giving it the nutrients that it needs to run properly, you're sabotaging it double. Mm-hmm. Very true, very true. And and even just in terms of, um, you know, time of day when we eat and things like that, I know sometimes I, I don't eat all day and then I eat late at night and I know that that's just like a you know, I, I can I almost see a finger shaking in front of my face when I'm doing that, but I, I, <laughs> I won't say I'm anything. Just, then. 
but I'm but I'm but I'm starved, and so I do it. And you know, I need to make it a, a bigger priority and plan better, um, so that I well don't run said. into those situations. And exactly, and that's what it takes. Yeah, yeah. Can you tell us? What what if you had to pick the three worst foods for our health? What would you what would you say they are? Well, number one is sugar. Number two is sugar, and number three is sugar. But then there's some others as well. I mean, the amount of carbs that we are taking in today is absolutely killing us. You know, it, it is the basis of most Americans' breakfast. It's a formidable part of their lunch. It makes up their snacks. It sneaks into our drinks. You know, and and as a result, we have such a huge problem with obesity and diabetes and the new diagnosis that we use in medicine called diabetes, which is that combination of the two, which is which is killing us and it's it's going to crush the healthcare system moving forward. But to the individual, it means we age at a much faster rate. Obesity and diabetes both create tremendous inflammation and oxidative stress, which leads to every other disease that we see, dementia, cancer, heart disease, stroke, osteoporosis, arthritis, all of it has those two uh, issues as the core, as their core. So we really need to reevaluate the role that sugar plays in our lives, and we have to concentrate more on getting high-fiber foods, good-quality protein, good-quality fats, and have those be really the brunt of our meals as well as our snacks. I'm not saying no carb. I don't believe in no carb, but I do think we've gone way overboard on the breads and the pastas and the rices and the cookies and the sugary drinks and the artificial sweeteners, all of these things spike insulin. And when you Mm -hmm. are spiking insulin, you're going to ruin your metabolic rate, you're going to create a lot of inflammation and oxidative stress, and that begins this snowballing effect. So sugar would be at the very top of my list in all of its forms. Mm -hmm. And by the way, I got through medical school, I got into medical school and through medical school because of... Uh, uh, a large bag of peanut M&Ms and a Diet Coke. So I know the other side of it. It isn't as if I've been eating well my entire life. <laughs> uh, you know, I really, I, you know, I use the same shortcuts and, and quick fixes that everybody else has and realize that when I paid more attention to how I felt after I ate, it made it a lot easier to begin to make better choices. So that's a big piece of it, becoming more aware of how food makes you feel. You should be energized by food, not exhausted. So um, most carbs will exhaust you because it's uh, readily utilized and then it's gone and the blood, blood, blood sugar will dip and will feel a quality of fatigue frequently. Well, that's, um, I would say the other... Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, then I would say the other the other foods to avoid really are, are are the bad fats. So that would include lots of saturated fat, which is also inflammatory, and trans fats, which are created when we overheat our oils. Uh, when you know, still there are trans, plenty of trans fats in packaged goods. Um, when we you know just 
swing by the fast food and pick up a, a, a thing of fries. Those are all very unhealthy. They're essentially rancid fats that injure the membranes of our cells. And then, and then probably my other big one would be uh, uh, the packaged foods that I mentioned, the ones that require a biochemistry book to, in order to decipher what the ingredients actually are, um, that have lots of dyes and preservatives and so forth, th- those should be completely eliminated from our diet. They're not native to the human body. They've never been native to our diet, and it, they're really contributing to lots of health issues. Okay. Well, that's that's great to know. So on the flip coin, flip side of the coin, what are, what are the best foods that we can put into our body? I think the best foods, you know, um, because we're concentrating um, on brain health, I really focus, you know, I really want to make a mention of those foods that have been shown to have a positive impact on brain health. And, you know, one of the first things that comes to my mind with regards to that are the foods that are rich in omega-3 fats. Remember I said you really want to get good quality fat in your diet. Now, pretty much everybody knows about omega-3 fats, and the foods that are generally highest in them include the the cold water, deep sea fish, so um, wild salmon, tuna, halibut, trout are all good sources of um, the, the the omega-3 from the from the flesh of the fish. Um, there are plenty of nuts and seeds that are rich in omega-3s, and they include walnuts and pecans, um, hazelnuts, uh, pumpkin seeds. Those are very easy to get into your um, uh, diet, as well as chia seeds, my new favorite. Chia goes into every one of my smoothies. Um, great in fiber and rich in omega-3s. Um, so, so that whole family, you know, those those uh, foods that are rich in the omega three fats, and that's by no means an exhaustive list. Probably one that I shouldn't leave out are sardines. Uh, okay. If you can possibly stomach sardines, they're probably one of the best foods you can be eating. Very clean source of protein, one of the few food sources of vitamin D, and very high in omega threes. Um, Another important family of um, nutrients, of, of foods that give us important nutrients to sustain both brain health as well as overall health is everything from the cruciferous vegetable family. So that's broccoli, kale, cauliflower, collard greens, Brussels sprouts, bok choy. Um, those are easy to get into your diet every day. There's fantastic recipes for all of those. And you can always throw some of those into your smoothies, particularly kale goes into mine. Um, But any of those greens really could be used. Um, Those have been shown to have a positive influence on brain health. Um, Let's not forget coffee and chocolate, dark chocolate, uh, of course. The antioxidant effects of those two. uh, um, And... um, I would say also turmeric, you know, using the spice turmeric. So on my eggs every morning, I'll use turmeric. We use them in our soups. Uh, we use them in stews. So turmeric's easy to to add in as well. It's got a great flavor. It gives that curry type of flavor. Okay. 
Wonderful. Well, and that's that's nice that you you know gave some ideas on how to use that. I never would have thought of putting it on eggs, you know, um, at all. So, and I think it's stuff that that people can play around with too, and you know, see what they like. And uh, sure. Any other spices that come to mind, or there's many spices that actually have a natural anti-inflammatory effect in the body. So rosemary ends up being one of those. Um, and uh, garlic, of course, is an, is a, is an all-time favorite, and I think it can be used easily in, in lots of different, um, you know, sautéing with garlic makes the entire house smell fantastic, and then it really adds to every food. Um, let's see... Rosemary, garlic, turmeric are probably my top favorites. Um, yeah, those, that's what's coming to mind immediately. Okay, okay. Well, that's that's wonderful. Can you tell us why is ever you mentioned kale um, earlier? Can you tell us what's what's all the hype about kale these days? And <laughs> I and, and, and I mean, oh. did it did it did it just get born, or you know, why are we hearing about it now? I mean, I never remember hearing about it when I was younger, but there were a lot of things I didn't hear about either. Um, but, no, it's you know, really why, true. I mean, even even five years ago, you didn't hear much about kale. It's really mm-hmm. true. I'm not, you know, I don't know why kale is experiencing a meteoric rise to the forefront. But, you know, when you think about kale, first of all, it, it's it's a fairly bitter taste, but it it can easily be um, dressed up. So, for instance, I will make my children who would not ever eat kale a smoothie with kale in it, and the moment you add banana or green apple, you cannot detect any kale at all in a smoothie. So as long as I serve it to them in a dark cup, they have no idea that what they're drinking is actually green as can be and that's created by the kale. Um, You know, kale is very low in calories. It's super rich in many of the important antioxidants, including vitamin A and vitamin C, it's very high in an important nutrient, vitamin K, which keeps our blood vessels supple, keeps us from developing hypertension, and there's actually studies to this effect, keeps our, our bones strong. So from those standpoints, you know, from the nutrient density of kale, um, it, it's got a great profile. It's really high in fiber, and so... You know, most of us are eating a fiber-poor diet. We try to get people to concentrate on 30 grams at least a day of fiber, and most people are way shy of that. But fiber really keeps the body detoxified. When we're talking about things like dementia, that's essential. We want to clear out any of the harmful things that we may have been exposed to from the outer world or that we've produced in our own metabolism and cart that out. And so high-fiber diets, plant-based diets, uh, kale is a perfect addition into that. Um, You know, we could get more technical. It it contains a family called glucosinolates, which really help the liver in its its, uh, very important role as the major organ of detoxification. And we know exactly where those molecules uh, help us to detoxify pesticides, hormones, 
metabolic byproducts, et cetera. So they play an integral role in keeping the system cleared out. So, you know, I understand the rise of it. You know you can make it as kale chips. I have been able to convince the kids to have those. Um, you can make it as a salad. You can put it into smoothies. You can stir fry it. It's actually very versatile. Hi there. Okay, so I am back here. Dr. Koffler, let's see if we can get you on the line again. Are you there? I am. You are. I don't know. I have no idea what happened, but something happened uh, apparently with Skype. We haven't had this happen in ages. Um, so, again, I apologize. I don't know if people could hear me rattling or not, if it was my end or your end or their end. Um, but we'll just go ahead and continue the conversation here. Well, again, where, where, did you, where did I drop out? Do you know? Um, it's, it sounded like we were talking about kale and, you know, what, uh, what exactly is the big hubbub? You know, why didn't we hear about this? You had said about five years ago, um, you know, we didn't really hear much about it. And then it seemed like it went shortly after that. So, oh, it did go out shortly after that. Okay. My goodness. Okay. So I was, I was waxing poetic about how the fact that, you know, as a, uh, it, it, it's a relatively low in calories, so that appeals to many people. But I think more importantly, it's very rich in natural antioxidants like vitamin A and C, as well as very high in vitamin K. And vitamin K is emerging as a very important player in keeping our blood vessels supple and less prone to injury, which, of course, makes us less likely to develop hypertension keeps our brains healthy and stronger, keeps blood flow throughout the body much more secure. So uh, vitamin K also plays a very important role in bone health. So this is a great food source of vitamin K. Um, in addition, it's high in fiber, and we're always nagging our, our patients to eat more fiber. We like to shoot for a minimum of 30 grams of fiber a day. And so kale, because it's so versatile, uh, you can make kale chips, you can put it in smoothies, you can stir-fry it, you can make it into salads. There's so many ways you can use it, and it has so many health benefits, both with antioxidants, uh, its impact on blood vessels, its impact on bone, uh, as an anti-inflammatory. Um, and then it has ingredients in there that really help the liver to detoxify other compounds. So it's, I can't think of a downside to kale. Okay. So you had mentioned, and I don't know if, if you know how to do this, but how do you make kale chips? I, I never would have oh, thought of that. With Yeah, you just, well, uh, the way I do it is I put um, a light spray. I usually use canola because it works a little bit better, but you can use grapeseed, or, and actually grapeseed is probably a superior oil. 
Um, some people use olive oil, though it's a little denser. Uh, spray it, uh, bake it, and then we season it with a little sea salt. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I never I never would have thought of um, making chips out of that at all. You know, I just, it, it wouldn't have even, wouldn't have even occurred to me um, with that. So, well, good. And many so many little... health food companies also have a, um, have a nice, uh, you know, have a nice selection of, of commercially available packages of kale chips even. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to have to go find those in the store and see uh See what I think. That that sounds really interesting. Do you have any advice for for care partners um, when it comes to nutrition? Um, when it for when it comes to nutrition, yes. I mean, I think um, people who are who are in the position to be caring for others um, with, let's say, dementia. Um, you know, it's sort of like running a marathon. And so, you know, when one runs a marathon, there are stations along the way that allow you to, you know, get a little extra calories in, extra water, and so forth. And so you almost have to think of it as, um, you know, there's got to be there's got to be a, a way in which you're well-nourished in, and I mean that in, in mind, body, and spirit, in order to maintain this marathon that you're in. And so uh, nutritionally speaking, I mean, uh, simple uh, meals that are high in nutritional value is really key because if you're not supported, you can't be very supporting. Uh, it actually ends up being depleting. It actually, as I mentioned before, stresses the system to eat poorly when you're under duress. It, it just compounds the whole problem so much more, and it steals your energy, and it takes away from your ability to think creatively, and the list goes on and on and on. So um, so it's really important that there be a, you know, time devoted, and I, not a lot of time, nothing that I make. And by the way, I'm an awful cook, but nothing that I make <laughs> takes more than 20 minutes. I can promise you, and we can give 20 minutes to our meals. We can certainly do that. So I'll make a big vat of something, like a big stir-fry with portobello mushrooms and sun-dried tomatoes and kale and broccoli and and all kinds of veggies, and it'll be a huge stir-fry, and I'll just heat that up, you know, throughout the week. I put some chopped nuts, you know, so, some lightly roasted chopped nuts on it. I've got protein, fiber, all my nutrients. I've got good oils in there. I've got everything that I need. And that can be dinner for four nights. Uh, and it holds really well. Um, so these are the kinds of things that we make recommendations. Really good soups. You can make a huge quantity of soup at one time and then just keep heating it over the course of the day. Nuts and seeds, of course, people know to grab as snacks. But keeping it whole, keeping it, keeping your food real and whole is is the ideal. Um, so that's what that's you know these are broad strokes, but these are the kinds of things that that we recommend to folks. Real in almost every situation, it, it's the same thing that treats everything else that we see. Really, it's the same diet whether we're talking about treating someone for heart disease, for diabetes, or treating somebody who's going through a stressful period of time. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's I, I I think you're you're absolutely right. Can you tell us a story of maybe a patient that you've worked with who has improved his or her health just by following your your nutritional advice and and what happened? Well, you know, in integrative medicine, we don't usually just alter someone's diet. Usually, we're taking a look at their entire lifestyle and we are we are addressing multiple aspects at the same time. And by the way, that's why it can be difficult to actually study integrative medicine because we're not making one change. We're not adding an herb or a supplement or just doing dietary changes. We're making lots of other changes at once. So a patient that comes to mind actually is a patient that uh, I have been taking care of for a little while who has been diagnosed with mild cognitive impairment um, that she felt was progressing. And um, so when we made some changes, she actually ate a pretty good diet to begin with. So it wasn't as high in fiber as it could be. And really the ideal is for people to eat 8 to 10 servings of fruits and vegetables a day. So we re- re- recreated her plate so that and actually drew a circle of her plate, cut it in half, one half is all veggies, uh, one quarter is her protein, and the remaining quarter is her is her sweet potato or brown rice or quinoa or something along those lines. And with that visual, she was able to make the change in her diet. We also increased her exercise. So every one of us should be exercising. There's no excuse for no for not consistently moving our bodies. Everything works better when our bodies are moving. And the third piece uh, we added to her, which she felt really made a very big difference, was actually something that I learned as I began working with the Alzheimer's Research and Prevention Foundation. And that is we introduced um, Curtin Kriya, which is a specific form of meditation that's been shown actually in scientific studies to improve cognitive impairment and mood. And so this is something that I teach both to my both to my patients one-on-one as well as in lectures. And actually you can log on to the website and, and get a clear picture of exactly how to do it. There's also um, a, a CD available for you to listen to. Um, and uh, as you go through this very... Um, uh, very stepwise method that takes 12 minutes to do, um, there is a calming and a relaxation that happens, as it can happen with many forms of meditation. But the realization that this has been studied and shown to improve mental performance reassures you that you are doing, that you are actually taking steps to improve your memory and, and your your brain power. And so those were the three aspects that we really addressed in her, her nutrition, her exercise, and the introduction of this meditation called Curtain Kriya. And she not only does she feel like her um, memory has improved, but her energy has improved substantially, which I don't know anybody who doesn't want to have more energy as well as be able to think more clearly. So this is an example of how integrative medicine using these different tools can make a huge difference in a person's life. And none of it was with pharmaceuticals, by the way. It was really strictly with lifestyle. 
Okay. Well, you know, and I mean, uh, it's so funny that we've gotten so barraged with the pharmaceuticals because, I mean, you know, thousands of years ago, there were no pharmaceuticals and and people right you know and we've just we've gotten away to everybody wants this quick fix and nobody wants to work or think about um consequences and and, um processing that you know they're too busy with other things and it's it's really it's hurt us so badly as a society i mean we've we've really um I mean, you can just look around, and I'm one of them who's not taking care of my body near the way that I should. You know, I sit at my computer, and I've just noticed, you know, for me in the last year, I've I've probably put on weight. I'm starting to have some arthritis and some back issues, and I never had that before, but I'm not, like you said, I'm not moving, and I'm not I'm not eating properly. And um, it's it's really starting to catch my attention, the pain. <laughs> I'm really going to have to do something about it. And it's sad that I had to wait until I was in pain um, to seriously, you know, look at making some changes in my life. Um, you know, I find it sad that we don't teach these things to our kids in school. I mean, these are really life lessons that are needed, just like we've taken away, you know, the basics with with uh, money and and how to work a checkbook and you know balance a checkbook and money management that we've taken real life skills away um, from our children that are are greatly greatly needed um, because a lot of us aren't good role models um, in certain areas and and health is um, I mean it's destroying our country right now you know and our budgets everybody's worried about it and. It needs to be raised in in profile for sure, and um, taken more seriously by all of us. And the the um, meditation, the curtain uh, kriya, you know, I I have done that, and it's amazing. It's amazing um, what what that meditation can do for people. Um, I just had one one last question for you, and um, that is, you know, why did you decide to get involved with the Alzheimer's Research and Prevention Foundation? What was what was the attraction for you? I just find them a, a fascinating um, group with some just great, great information and resources. But, you know, for you as a medical professional, um, what was your attraction to them? You know, I think part of it has to do with the fact that um, we're looking at an epidemic, really, of dementia. And it's going to get worse as it has gotten worse. And the conventional approach is really pharmaceutically based and really uh, demands, you know, it, it sort of depends on people actually developing dementia in order to intervene. And, you know, if you're a reasonable, thoughtful person, first of all, prevention makes much more sense. Who wants the early signs of dementia before we actually address our brain health? Nobody does. So it makes a great deal more sense to think in terms of prevention. Well, nobody's thinking in those terms. In this country, we don't think in terms of prevention. So here's an organization um, that's really based on wanting to prevent using lifestyle, which makes great sense, uh, a disease that is devastating. It's devastating for the person who has it. It's devastating for the family. It's costing us a tremendous amount of money. It's, it's an awful, awful disease. And we don't have a great way to treat it, and who, and and really, there's not the emphasis on prevention that needs to be. 
So the Alzheimer's Research and Prevention Foundation, um, through a technique that's ancient, and so I have come to appreciate the value of um, interventions or therapies or approaches, strategies that come to us from other cultures because other cultures have figured out ways to keep their people alive and well. And it would, it would, it would benefit us to take the best practices worldwide and offer them to our patients. So here is Curtin Kriya, and I have no idea how the ancient sages knew that this would be an effective way to maintain the health of the brain, but I'll do anything that works. And so once I realized that they had data behind, I mean, well-done scientific studies using functional MRIs and PET scans and so forth, the best that we have today in, in analyzing response to treatment they've used to show this very simple 12-minute-a-day intervention can make all the difference. So to me that was, it's, it, <laughs> I mean, I hate to sound cliche, but it was like a no-brainer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, it's very obvious. You know, if we took a pill, if we could take a pill that would do that, we all would. Yep. So, yep. Um, and it has, and meditation has far-reaching effects. We know that it improves cardiovascular disease. We know that it can improve anxiety. I mean, it has so many health benefits uh, that I believe everybody needs to develop some form of a meditative practice, and this is one that's been proven to work. Okay. And I know that on the um, Alzheimer's Research and Prevention um, website, I, I put this in the chat box, but if you just go to alzheimersprevention.org, um, they have a special offers and recipes available. All you have to do is, um, you know, sign up for their newsletter and then go to recipes, um, or, or um, and then you will receive um, special recipes for that. And that's for our listeners today. So, um, go to alzheimersprevention.org and sign up for their newsletter. It's always really informative. Um, but go ahead and get those get those recipes. I think that that's a, a great way to tie things in. Um, we've got just about four minutes left. Anything else that you would like to, to add um, to the show? This has just been very fascinating. Again, I apologize for our Skype issues here today. That is, I haven't had that happen in a couple of years, <laughs> so I apologize. Um, but technology is technology, and we have to work with it. So... Well, the only thing I would, uh, other thing I would say is, um, you know, we're we're housed in this miracle of a machine that we call the human body, and and we're gifted with uh, the power of our minds, and we lose sight of what we've been given. Um, it, it, the whole thing is driven towards healing. The the intrinsic blueprint of the human body is that we heal. And if we just get back to some very basic ways of living where we understand and appreciate our food as fueling us in the best possible way, where we appreciate that we need to move, that we have muscles and joints for the express purpose of movement, and so the, the obvious design of the human body is movement, and that we've got a mind to really overcome impulses impulsive thinking and wrongful thinking that hurts us, um, if we just remember those things and use what we've been given for our, for our best, we'd all be doing much, much better. 
Um, so I hope what I've shared with you today are just some some reminders. I mean, it would be great if everything I said was just a reminder of what we already knew. That can be mm-hmm. as affirming as anything else. Um, uh, to get back to some of those things that really buy us the best possible health. Great. Well, thank you so much uh, for being with us today. It was just a, a fascinating conversation. I know I personally learned learned a lot and took a, a lot of notes. Um, please share this show with you know with others. Uh, I, I can't believe I'm the only one that needs to learn these lessons <laughs> in terms of. Uh, nutrition and exercise and and um you know just mindfulness of of what we're putting into our bodies how we're treating it and um you know working on prevention and just living living more attentively and contently um in life very very important um you can again go to alzheimersprevention.org or you can call 888 9085766 to reach the Alzheimer's Research and Prevention Foundation and you can also reach Dr. Koffler um at her number at 305-514-7216 or kkoffler at canonranch.com again I thank you so much for being with us today it was a was a very informative show, and I, I hope you have a blessed week ahead of Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank Take you. care. You, you too. Bye now. Bye-bye. Uh, again, for all of you who are looking for an Alzheimer's Association anywhere in the world, check out Alzheimer's Disease International. They will be able to help you find what it is you need, no matter where it is. Um, or if you're looking for a trial on Tau, or frontal temporal lobe, check out Alzheimer's Studies or go to the Alzheimer's team on Facebook and um, help us raise awareness. Be part of the Purple Angel Project. Go to alzheimerspeaks.com and um, go to the About page and there's a tab that says Purple Angel on that or you can uh, to find out more information or just click on the contact button and uh, send me an email. Let me know that you are interested in learning a little bit more on how you can raise awareness. doesn't have to cost you any money. Um, we can do this all electronically. Um, and if you're an individual or a business, everybody is welcome to join the cause. Until next week, um, again, we were going to have uh, Executive Director Mark Wortman on the line with us uh, for an interview to talk about their conference, and uh, we're going to get some global updates. We also have a, an author that has a book for um, for children. So uh, we will talk to you all soon. Thanks again, and have a great week. Bye now. Hey everybody, Jared Sebesti, your host of Retire Repurposed. This podcast is dedicated to help people transition into fulfilling and purposeful retirements. Retirement is a big life change. In fact, the two most dangerous years of a person's life are the year they were born and the year they retire. Few people could just flip the switch from working a career 30 or 40 plus years retiring on Friday without methodical steps to living what we call a repurposed retirement. To listen now, search Retire Repurposed on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.